The Power of Sound, a Monocle 24 collaboration with KEF. My name's Grant Kirkhope. I'm a composer. I've written music for tons of video games and some movie stuff. I worked at a company called Rare Limited back in the day in the, in the late 90s, which was a very successful video games company. And I got to work on some like some of their games that turned out to be sort of giant sellers like GoldenEye, Banjo-Kazooie, uh, Donkey Kong 64, Perfect Dark, things like that. The responsibilities for a composer in video games are you have to write the music that, that you know goes along with the game because it's no different to anything else really that you have to write some kind of visual media. Games can be a bit more complicated because you've got things like memory to worry about, or at least in the early days you have to worry about that. It's not so much an issue these days. But when I think back to, you know, working on the original Game Boy, which was the first thing that I ever did in 1995, and then, you know, within 10 years, it was like working on a live orchestra. So it, 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 just, it sort of came on leaps and bounds from that point. You know, the, the original Game Boy has got, it had four channels. It was three channels that could play, that could play one note each. And the fourth channel was, called, was just a noise channel. It's kind of provided all the wacky noises for the effects and a basic of... <laughs> Drum, drum sounds, you know. So you had to have a, and you had a note that could be the melody, a note that could imply the harmony, and a note that was the bass, and that was it. So, you know, very bare, very stripped down. So that was my very first experience of video games. I was like, oh my god, this is uh, going to be, this is going to be hard. But like I say, within ten years, it, it, you know, it was like using live orchestra. It was incredible how how fast it moved moved ahead. And to this day, here we are using, you know, big giant orchestras or huge synthesizers or whatever it's, it's the, the sky's the limit now but it wasn't back then it can be brought in at any point you know near the start near the end in the middle anywhere it just depends how they want to do it the creative director will share with you perhaps some video footage of the game perhaps you can play it perhaps it's just artwork perhaps it's just some, some a, a paragraph on a page that, is, that describes to you what it is if someone says to me it's a frozen ice castle you know you go, I'm going to be thinking straight away you know, glockenspiel, pizzicato strings, celeste, like things that sound spiky in my head, spiky, icy instruments. If someone says to me, it's going to be a lovely warm forest somewhere like in Lord of the Rings, I've been thinking about strings and bassoons and woodwinds and all that kind of stuff that makes it sound that way in my head. So even before you touch the keyboard, you've got some kind of idea what you're going to do with it. If that's going to be an orchestral thing, you know, if it's going to be a synthesizer, you'll be thinking about something else. You just shut your eyes and use your imagination, right? Cause it, is, it is just telling a story in music. It really is. Yeah, I kind of feel like the, the images tell the story, but the music tells you how to feel. So that's the thing that I think makes music very important. Remember, people are could be playing level for a long time. You know, it could be an hours. It could be hours if you're not very good, or quite short if you're really good. So, you know, they've got to hear that tune over and over again so you've got to write something that's not going to get on people's nerves which is you know is tricky and you never really know if you manage it until it gets out into the world and people say it's terrible or good so you just kind of cross your fingers so the first game I actually worked on was Goldeneye which was like spectacular for me so I just got to Rare in 1995 and they were just the new console the N64 just was just about to come out and um, they were writing games for it so you know, someone of my age, when I was a kid, the biggest thing of the year was always the Bond movie, if whatever year that was, you know, because they were always the biggest 
the best effects, the best music, you know. So to get to write music for, for Golden I was, was just amazing. But the game came out was a massive success. It sold like 10 million copies. So it was, you know, pretty crazy that I got, that was my first game. <laughs> Ridiculous, really. So, you know, when you see people play stuff like your game, it's, I don't know, it's like a really amazing thing to see people you know, play and, and like what you do. I guess I didn't really get that, really, even until I moved to America in 2008. And I don't think I really got how big video game music had become until that point. How would you know that was going to happen? Like, I'd done, you know, when I worked on the N64 and done GoldenEye and Banjo-Kazooie and games like that. And then it came to the next console, which was... In fact, I think the next console, actually, was the Xbox 360 that I got to write the first orchestral score for. There was a game called Viva Piñata, which is kind of a... It's kind of a gardening game. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not quite that, but it's... it's you have to uh, train animals and all sorts of things like that. It's a very rela- relaxing game. And so I wanted to write this really relaxing kind of pastoral score, like in, the, in, in my head, in the, kind of, in the vein of Elgar or Vaughan Williams. And we got to work with a live orchestra, which I couldn't believe. So that was my first time I ever did it. Uh, I went to record in Prague with the City of Prague Philharmonic, which was, you know, just spectacular for me. You know, you know to think that here's me, you know, like a Judas Priest fan, you know, <laughs> you know, sat in the control room saying, excuse me, cellos, bar four, you're a bit too loud. You know, it's a, bit, a little bit, a little bit weird. And also, you know, you tend to shed a lot of tears at that, mo- that point because it's to hear real human beings playing your music. There's absolutely nothing like it because... All the kind of finesse you might do in your MIDI uh, mock-ups that you do to, you know, you have to write music in the first place uh, so it sounds like the orchestra. All that stuff you do, you just can't, human beings just do it naturally. That kind of slight crescendo, slight diminuendo, the the phrasing, all that stuff that they do without thinking about it. That just is spectacular. You know, in that game, I actually got nominated for a BAFTA for that game, which was like, I couldn't believe it. Like, you know, it's all those things that you keep using your kind of superlatives to say, how did that happen? But it really was just spectacularly amazing. I mean, not only to end it with an orchestra, but then to get a BAFTA nomination, you know, didn't seem right somehow. So when it came to Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle, you know, I was going to be the first Western composer to ever write for Mario. So that was a bit scary. Uh, well, a lot scary, actually. And I really thought that I wouldn't be able to do it. Because that game was about Ubisoft. So they, they've got the, the, the Rabbids are a very big character for Ubisoft. And of course, Nintendo, Mario's their biggest IP. It's probably, you know, I guess Mario's probably like Mickey Mouse, isn't he? Everyone knows who he is. So I had to find some way of combining the kind of Mario sound with with the wacky rabbits and a bit of me stick it all together and see what comes out the other end you know that's, that's what I did Nintendo are protective of Mario and rightly so I mean thankfully they liked what I wrote um, I did have to use some of uh, Koji Kondo is a composer that's the kind of the, the famous Nintendo composer that's written Mar- for Mario since the 80s forever you know so I had to make sure that I was respectful to his music so I used I did use some of his a couple of his little, his little tunes in the game and uh, to kind of rearrange them and make them orchestral and make, you know the way I did it, and they liked them, which was great. It's funny I was I had to do um, some of the little kind of game over little, little stingers that you hear in games. That uh, I had to do orchestral arrangements of them, and one of them was the kind of Mario's famous game over tune. I had to rearrange it for like orchestral instruments, and I did it, and I got a little message from Nintendo saying um, I had to pick it up by ear because you know I did it by ear from from, uh, from the games like Mario games. And I got some of the harmony mixed up. I 
think some, it wasn't wrong notes, just parts in different registers. And I got a little message from Nintendo saying, you know, dear Mr. Kirkup, we love your arrangement of this, this game over theme, but um, could you just, just briefly change the harmony to this? And they sent me a little bit of sheet music, um, which was the little Mario Ditty. And it's, it's one of those moments you kind of hold in your hand that bit of paper and say, you know, <laughs> I've just got sent from Nintendo this legendary little thing that everybody in the world knows, you know, on a bit of sheet music to look at. It's one of those kind of spectacular moments you kind of remember for all your life, you know. That, that is, like, super humbling, right? To think that, you know, like, I did Banjo-Kazooie in 1996 or something like that, and people still, it's still, you know, hugely popular to this day, like, 20-odd years later. That is, like, incredible, you know. You know, you don't think about it at the time. You just sort of, right, do your best hope and hope for the best, you know. And I do think that, like, you know, that something that I learned sort of quite recently, really, is that I feel like when we're kids and we whatever we do as a kid, like, you, you know, as I say, my favourite TV shows when I was, like, in that kind of... 6 to 15 bracket or whatever I can't really think of the bracket but like something that kind of school that kind of age you know you will remember all those theme tunes and the lyrics forever until you're in your box right at the end you know it's one of those crazy things that we all have that whatever it is theme tune in our head forever but you're never going to lose it and I think that that started to start to strike me that people who are now 30 something or whatever or you know 35, 40 even who played my games the games sorry that games that I worked on still remember that stuff you know, note for note you know <laughs> they even remember stuff that I, I forget so for any artist of any persuasion right whether you're like a, a writer a photographer whatever a musician you know for anybody in the world to like something that come out of your, this comes out of your head even one person I think that's spectacular but to get several thousand people to get that thing that came out of your head it's just like it's unquantifiable you just you know you just don't I can't really put it into words it's just a, such an amazing thing so I feel like super lucky that I was I'm part of some people's childhoods. It's nice to be remembered, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I get really touching emails where a kid at the time, the parent was dying of cancer, and they sat on the bed with them playing Banjo-Kazooie or some of those games, you know. And that game, when they play it, it takes them right back to sat there with the parent. I mean, I think that's just such a, a nice thing. And, you know, you'd never think about those things, but when I get those kind of emails, it you know, it sort of really, it breaks your heart and it warms your heart at the same time. You think that, at least that banjo kazooie moment whatever it is when they laugh with the mum or dad whatever it was who was you know not very well takes them right back to that to that moment you know often people send me videos on my twitter thing you know of the games that of mine that they played maybe when they were kids and they got their little kid little five-year-old playing it you know things like that and that is that in some respects that is the best thing i ever see you know it's just like to see because I think little kids, or even you know, a lot bigger kids, you know, they don't, they don't really, at that age, they don't care about what's cool, right? They just care about, they just know what they like. And I think that's the purest form of that thing, you know. And, they, you know, to see little kids get off on stuff that I write, it's just fantastic. I mean, I really feel like that's what it's all about. And so from that to the big concerts, it's just, you know, I never thought it would get to be this. <laughs> when I first started on the Game Boy in 1995, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be fun, you know, with lots of bleeps and boops. Um, so who knew? In popular music to this day, I think you do hear an awful lot of kind of game music influence these days. It's all over the place. There's lots of rap tracks that have like sampled games. There's a lot of that, even a lot of my stuff too. You know, I think that video game music has become like a giant force these days. It is gigantic. I mean, the fact you've got orchestras now touring the world just playing video game tunes and they sell out everywhere they go. You know, some of the, the kind of major orchestras in the UK and around the world have realised that if they do video game concerts, 
they'll sell it out and um, it may finance them playing less popular music that, that needs to be heard for the rest of the year. You know, so I think that's that's a really special thing. And these these video game concerts are like spectacular events. Like you've got great huge video screens. It's a bit like a gig, really proper gig. People are cheering, and you know, it's not like a classical concert. So, you know, I I, I really feel that video game music has reintroduced people to just purely instrumental music. So I think people are realizing that there's a great wealth of even put aside the, the eight bit stuff or, or that just purely orchestral music. If you want to go that way, there's a huge wealth of, of orchestral music in video games. That is is as credible as classical music it really is I really feel like video games will be the classical music of the future music in games is a very it's a big force you know and I think that slowly but surely people are realising that there's a great as I say a great wealth of good music for, you know every genre from 8-bit right up to live orchestra and everything in between from metal tracks and rock tracks and pop tracks and everything it's all in video games so I do think the tide's really changing